thrillers, chillers, and chicks. Welcome back to the special holiday episode of Thrillers, Chillers, and Chicks. I am your host, Hannah. And I'm Erica. And today we are going to be talking about a Christmas-themed horror movie um, that is part of Hulu's holiday horror anthology. I think it's called Into the Dark. Into the Dark, yes. Speaking of holidays... Happy holidays. We hope you had a great Christmas. Merry Chrysler. (laughs) As of recording this, it is early December, so we hope we had a good Christmas too. Yeah, the future has had a good Christmas. What do you what is your favorite Christmas tradition, Erica? Um so every year on Christmas we get family pajamas for the entire family. That's so cute. So my parents and me and my little brother get pajamas, and it's great. And they get Stop. they get like when you we all had Pikachu onesies, and that was a time. It was great. That is adorable, and I would expect nothing less of your family. <laughs> I'm already scouting. Uh, our Texas listeners will know what we're talking about, but we recently got a Bucky's where I live. Oh. My gosh, yes! And they have some real bomb uh, onesie pajamas <laughs> that come in family sizes, baby. And for those of you who are not educated on Bucky's, it is a it is a gas station, but it is so much more than that. So much more. It is, I would venture to say, better than Wawa oh, by yes. a significant margin. And Bucky's is more than a gas station; it's a home, you know. And uh, its mascots, this little beaver guy and so a lot of their like onesies and stuff have like beaver tails and his little, <laughs> his little face, face on, on it and he has like buck teeth it's great it's we amazing. love buckies we stand yeah my favorite christmas tradition probably has to be so you know how they play it's a wonderful life like every christmas eve on loop oh, yeah so when I was a kid, we used to watch, like, the first half of it, and then my parents would be like, okay, go to bed, because Santa's coming, and they would finish, like, setting everything up for the next morning while they watched It's a Wonderful Life and ate all the cookies we left out for Santa. <laughs> but now that we're older, we get to stay up and watch the entirety of It's a Wonderful Life, which is great, because I've seen the first half of the movie, pro- how old am I? At least 22 times. <laughs> but the second half of the movie, very rarely. <laughs> You can have the second half of the movie as a treat. As a treat. It's like I reached adulthood and they said, no, no, no. Right to vote? Mm-mm-mm. The second half of its own life. There you go, baby. That's how you know you reached adulthood. Amen. Truly. So, today we are going to be talking about Puka. Yeah. Which, from the outset, it looks like it's going to be a very strange movie. Like, Erica... Uh, introducing me to it was like, okay, don't judge it by its cover. Yeah. Because it's a really good movie. And I wound up loving it. Yes. It's excellent. Um, I think some people might be a little dissuaded by the the premise of it because it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense at first, what they're kind of trying to go for. Mm-hmm. And in the beginning, like, I kind of warned her, I was like, so the first half of this movie, you're going to be like, what honor like what what is happening happening? yeah but But in the end they kind of all wrap it up and it all makes sense 
So speaking of, you know, the beginning, the movie opens uh, with the scene of a car crash and we see a puka doll on the ground repeating, look at all the pretty lights over and over again. And a puka doll is looks something like a little demented teddy bear. They've got these big round eyes that light up blue or red, depending on whether it's in a naughty or nice mood. And a little mouth that kind of looks like the grill of a car. Mm-hmm. Kind of like a Jeep. Yeah. Just more specifically. Yeah. So, yeah, the movie opens. We see one of those dolls on the ground repeating, look at all the pretty lights over and over again. And we cut to seeing our main character, Wilson, in a coffee shop uh, where he comes across a bulletin advertising an open casting call. And as he's new to the city and looking for acting jobs, he decides to attend. And in preparation for the audition, he reads a monologue from Charles Dickens' A Christmas Story, uh, where Scrooge is talking to the ghost of Christmas future, um, wondering about the ability to change one's course in life and if the future he sees in front of him is inevitable or if it can be changed but when he gets there to the audition he is instead asked to perform kind of a weird simon says dance and the man calling out the moves has him do it faster and faster and faster until he basically offers him the job Mm -hmm. and he tells him that he will be playing the puka mascot And he explains to him that the Puka doll is the newest toy predicted to sweep the nation. They're expecting huge sales around Christmas. And Puka, Finn explains, you know, the whole, it repeats what you say in either a naughty or a nice voice. But the catch is you can't predict what it is Puka will choose to repeat. Now, to add to kind of the air of mystery and magic to the toy, no one outside of the company is going to know that Will is the one playing the Puka mascot. And Will's a little wary at first because, you know, he's a serious actor and he doesn't want to accept a job like this. But when he hears how high his salary is going to be, he decides to accept the job since nobody's going to know it's him anyways. And the toy does indeed sweep the nation and Will enjoys his new financial success. Uh, But strange things kind of begin to happen as the costume seems to have a mind of its own and will sort of take hold of Will at times. And it will go into naughty mode. His eyes will light up red. And the first instance we see of this is the costume kind of takes him over and Will just trashes his apartment. Knocking things off shelves and breaking glass and furniture. And the next day, Will seemingly doesn't remember any of this episode. And he enlists the help of his neighbor, a woman named Red, to help him clean the apartment. Talking about how he must need some better security. Will begins seeing a woman who he caught sight of at a Christmas tree farm with her young son. He learns that she's a realtor, so he goes to one of her open houses to flirt with her and get her number, and they discuss how beautiful the house is and talk about what kind of furniture they would put in it if they lived there. And the woman, whose name is Melanie, has a son named Ty that Will tries very hard to win over. Ty is very wary of Will, and Melanie says this is because of Ty's father. She doesn't share any details, but it's clear that whatever happened with Will, Ty's father was traumatic. Um, in an effort to win over Ty, Will promises him that Puka will make an appearance at a Christmas party he is throwing for his classmates. While there, the Puka costume goes into a rage and attacks a boy who is threatening Ty. From here, we see Puka and Will start to devolve into a more disheveled and angry being. 
Eventually, the puka costume appears as a charred and oil-covered version of its shell, of itself, with flames in its eyes. Will begins to tailspin as he is estranged from Melanie, and the puka dolls are mass recalled for all repeating the same phrase over and over again. Look at all the pretty lights. Despite the end of Puka's popularity, Will continues to wear the torn and battered costume while stalking Melanie, and it becomes more and more difficult to differentiate between Will and Puka. At one point, Will returns home and finds that Red, his neighbor, is dead and has fallen out of the window of her apartment. When he asks the EMTs on the scene who did this to her, they state that she did it to herself. This discovery causes Will to run up to Red's apartment, where he is attacked by the image of the burnt and oil-covered puka. After the attack, Will realizes that Melanie and Ty are in danger. After an attempted phone call, Will rushes to the Christmas tree farm, where he fights the oil-covered puka again and defeats it. He then runs to the house that Melanie was selling, where he first spoke to her, and is forced to watch helplessly as another version of himself— fights with Melanie, and destroys the Christmas tree that they have in the corner of their beautifully furnished living room. It is here that we learn that he is Melanie's husband and Ty's father, and Ty witnesses Melanie and Will fighting. Will offers to take Ty and Melanie to get another Christmas tree. They get into the car, and Melanie comforts Ty, who is clutching a puka doll in the back seat as Will speeds down the road. Melanie tells Ty to look at all the pretty lights, just before their car is hit by a drunk driver, who we now see as Will's friend from his apartment, Red. Will and a charred, oil-covered puka survey the scene of the crash before them as the other, or perhaps real version of Will, screams in vain for Melanie and Ty, who are still in the burning car. And the puka on the ground repeats, look at all the pretty lights. So, Erica, <laughs> what did you think of puka? Um... I really like this movie. The first time I saw it, I was super weirded out by it, but very intrigued. And uh, the more, now that I've watched it, I guess a second or third time, I think at this point, I definitely like it more and I kind of see it more for what it is what it is and what they were going for, along with noticing a lot of the cool, small details and hints that kind of show mm-hmm. what they're going for, which we are going to describe. Or at least what we think is going on. Exactly. Yeah, I really enjoyed this movie. Like like we were saying, it's definitely got kind of a weird premise. And Puka himself looks kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really enjoyed it. And they kind of, you know, tease it what the whole movie's going to be about. In the beginning with Will uh, reciting that monologue um, where Scrooge is speaking to the ghost of Christmas future. Because that speech is all about um, whether or not future is inevitable and are you able to kind of fundamentally change who you are as a person in order to change your future i think in a lot of ways the will that we're kind of following throughout the movie was him attempting to change himself and change his future because the movie starts with him you know he's saying he's starting over he's starting fresh he's new to the city And, you know, he's going to do things differently this time. And I think that's probably just his subconscious, you know, wondering if he can do better. But as we see him kind of devolve as soon as the pressure's on in this movie, it it kind of suggests that maybe he was either, either he was too far gone to change or maybe none of us can truly change Mm -hmm. once, you know, we've gotten so far down a certain path 
Mm-hmm. And this is also indicative in, I guess, kind of the visual representations of that. Um, my theory, for example, or what I kind of perceive them is in the movie, we're kind of shown three different pukas, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Okay. So you have puka in the beginning, who's like this, you know, he's fresh and new and he looks exactly like the toy. And then once they both kind of get more disheveled, it's kind of like half puka, half will. Mm. So like he's wearing the suit without the head and like the stuffing's coming out of it and it's dirty and all that stuff. And then you have like the the puka covered in oil and mm-hmm. with the flames in his eyes. And so I kind of perceived it uh, in terms of that relation to A Christmas Carol as that first brand new puka being kind of Christmas mm. past or yeah. whatever. Then the present is the half will half puka because he's the one kind of trying to fight and save mm-hmm. Melanie and, and Ty at the end. And then <laughs> uh, the future being the one covered in oil with the flames in his eyes because that kind of represents that car accident, mm-hmm. which seems which is kind of where all the vets sort of revolve around or lead up to. Yeah, it's really brilliant kind of the way they they set it all up and you know even the way they design puka you don't realize until later that his eyes kind of look like headlights and uh you know red um she has a red car mm-hmm. and you realize will probably didn't actually know her name yeah. um that was just the first thing he noticed about her mm-hmm. and she you know she jumps in the window and they or uh, you know supposedly mm-hmm. jumps out the window or whatever and the emts are like you know, she did this to herself, mm-hmm. um, and we kind of learn, and we also kind of see through his conversations with Red that she's a drinker, that she drinks a lot, and that she did kind of do it to herself because she was a drunk driver, and it implies mm-hmm. that she was driving drunk that night. Um, although we also kind of see that that still doesn't really absolve Will of, right, because... of his responsibility because he was speeding down the road. Exactly, and they wouldn't have been on the road in the first place if he hadn't destroyed their Christmas tree mm-hmm. while raging at his wife. And then we also see Echoes because there's one man that you see throughout the movie uh, in one scene he's with his family and Will takes a picture of him and in another one he's taking a picture for Will mm. and he's waiting in line at the Puka store and he's getting interviewed. He's reoccurring along with the director, Finn, uh, who hires him. Mm. Uh, both of them are actually the EMTs at the, scene. at the scene of the car crash when they come up and they're like, you know, can you see me? Are you looking at me? Yeah, what's your name, sir? Yeah. It's really, really a well-done movie with a really interesting kind of question that they pose. So I would I would ask you, Erica, you know, do you think it is possible for people to change on a fundamental level? Or do you think we all are kind of the way that we are after a certain point? Ooh, that's tricky. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to say that I do think that people can change mm-hmm. or at the very least attempt to be better. Yeah. But in terms of the movie, I feel like a big part of that though is that you can't kind of change what's already happened. I that agree. the damage is done and you can't when you change that doesn't undo what has exactly. already occurred and that doesn't kind of erase who you used to be. Mm-hmm. And I would agree with that. I, I do think it is possible for people to change. 
I don't think it's possible for people to change other people. I think individuals have to want to change themselves and do the work themselves. But I agree also that, you know, you have to accept responsibility for who you were and what you've done in the past, because who you were in the past may be different from who you are now. That person is still a part of you. Mm -hmm. And And the damage that that person has done is still is probably a part of other people yeah um you know if you if you've hurt other people that damage is still with them and you have to take responsibility for that and you know I, i i don't personally think you can truly change until you've taken stock of who you are honestly Mm-hmm. And in order to do that, you have to kind of accept the uglier parts of yourself. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think a lot of times, you know, there's a lot of shame surrounding that because we're all imperfect and we're all flawed and we've all done things or, you know, had habits or parts of our personality that have been hurtful or damaging. And I think it you do feel ashamed when you look back on things that you've maybe hurt other people mm-hmm. or, you know, you've made mistakes in the past. But I, I don't think that's a conducive feeling to growth, you know? I mm-hmm. think you're allowed to kind of grieve that, that you, you know, have caused people pain. But you need to learn to accept it and just use that as motivation to be a better person. Mm -hmm. Because we're all growing at the end of the day, and we're all learning to be better people. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yes, I definitely vibe with that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, how far... Okay, so how far gone do you think someone has to be before they can't change? I think it really goes to the point of delusion Mm. in terms of what I've found to the point where you can convince yourself that what you're saying or that your denial is the truth. Mm -hmm. I I feel like I've definitely had people who I would classify as maybe not great people or who have definitely hurt me in the past. Mm -hmm. And the big thing that has led to me like really kind of not coming back or, or being like, I can't, I don't think you're going to change and I can't stick around mm-hmm. for this anymore is the fact that they couldn't kind they couldn't accept that they had done anything wrong mm-hmm. or they couldn't even accept that they they had done anything in the first place. Yeah. Or they kept trying to be like, "Well, it's not that bad. Like I did this or someone's done this to me or or I never said that." And, you know, like to the point of gaslighting and they really can't accept that they've done awful things or Exactly. And I think that, you know, that kind of goes back to you cannot change until you accept the wrong that you have done. Mm -hmm. And if someone is coming to you saying you hurt me in this way, even if you think you were in the right, I think it behooves you to listen to them Mm -hmm. and talk about it. But I yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I think people who can't change are delusional in thinking that they are always right. And that's why, you know, you have to be understanding and accepting that sometimes you're going to mess up and that doesn't make you unlovable or unworthy it makes you a human being Mm -hmm. and you you know have to be able to take honest (laughs) self-evaluations oh yes (laughs) in order to continue to be a better person 
Because mm-hmm. to me, when I was thinking of this, and when you asked me initially asked me the question of like, can people change? Uh, I was gonna say depends, but I think it, it hinges on that willingness of self reflection. Because to me, I always think of them um, like criminals who've done these awful crimes, mm-hmm. and they go to court. And it kind of determines whether they're going to stay in there forever or if they'll have a chance to get out. Yeah. And that seems to be the big difference is that they can never quite accept that, like, no, you can't do that to somebody that is wrong or no. Yeah. Even if you feel like you were swayed by whatever entity you want to say you were, you still murdered all those people or you still did this or you still. (laughs) Well, that's what makes a psychopath is they don't, they're incapable of feeling remorse. Mm -hmm. And without remorse, you are stuck. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I would rate this movie personally a eight and a half pretty lights out of all the pretty lights. What about I, you? I agree. I love eight and a half pretty lights out of all the pretty lights. Um, but yes, if you haven't seen it, you should definitely go see it. Maybe not with your entire family, just because that'd be kind of awkward. <laughs> that probably not a family movie, but still a really good time. Still really cool. Um, a really cool message and it's really cool how it's done and how it's shot the cinematography and the way they swap between the different entities and the different scenes is really cool I really Mm -hmm. enjoy it yeah an excellent excellent movie Mm -hmm. definitely a great holiday watch holiday watch (laughs) so we hope you guys all had a merry christmas or happy holiday or just a good weekend off And remember, even though it's Christmas, that you should still stay spooky. And we'll see you in 2021. Woo! Yay! All right, bye, guys. Bye. Hey, it's Erica from Thrillers, Chillers, and Chicks. And I just want to let you all know that our primary form of social media right now is Twitter. You can find us at Ann Chillers. There you can find updates and also give us your feedback on the podcast. Thank you again for listening and stay spooky.